the Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. And in your face from our studios in undisclosed locations in San Francisco. This is In The Click. Bimbo Jimbo remotely alongside my tag team partner once again, Patient Zero Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everyone. We're still alive, pal. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Baby Huey here. Is that that Tiger King reference? (laughs) Yes, thank you. I was hoping you would get it. The the Netflix show sweeping the nation that uh, is a, like a train wreck upon a train wreck that is Tiger <laughs> King, uh, but it, it but it was nice seeing that uh, you know sort of Undertaker got in on the act with uh, those photos. There was a great that was a great dig by AJ Styles. He was right. That was a sick burn. So uh, I I appreciated that, and I finally did watch it as well. But uh, yeah, welcome back to In the Click. We hope everyone is staying uh, staying safe, staying home. You know, washing your hands and everything like that. But we are uh, we are still on a effective, you know, um, quarantine here uh, a, as we move along. And uh, how, how's it been going, baby Huey? Uh, it's been going great, but uh, it's just at work now. I don't know if I said this last time or not. I, I'm, I'm I'm losing track of everyone. Like I've been talking to so many people about getting work updates and stuff. So I can't remember who I've told what about my experiences at work so far. But literally, it's been a ghost town for. Now, here we are with the start of the third week of this shelter in place. And uh, last week, less co-workers were assigned not to come in. So, like, not to get too technical, but, like, our production department are all working from home now. So, literally this morning, I was doing a count. Uh, I think there was nine people total in the building for, like, the morning show shift of the day at the building. So, really quiet, but it's nice. I have the whole office to myself and, like, the back part of the building that I work out of that you know. So, it's all to myself. So, it's kind of nice. I feel like I'm in my own little quarantine over there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm glad I'm glad it's going well. <laughs> uh, I, 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 again, am safe in my bunker. Uh, we got we got to start off once again with the ever evolving landscape that is uh, WrestleMania this year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know since we last spoke to you, we had our you know our bonus uh, promoter spotlight and everything like that, and that was great fun. Big thank you to David Marquez and Gabriel Ramirez again uh, for doing that. But since you and I really uh, spoke, Roman Reigns yeah. uh, has pulled out of WrestleMania. So you know after all that build up and everything the the signing, and there will be no Goldberg versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship this year at WrestleMania. Uh, you know, r- rumors swirling that, you know, who's going to replace him. We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Uh, but but first things first, your your reaction to, to Roman Reigns pulling up? Uh, good for Roman in this situation, just because... Come on, let's let's be real. His health is his number one priority, and what he's been battling is something that's very serious... 
And it's something you can't take lightly in this situation. And based on his history with leukemia, that's something that that is very dangerous in this situation with the coronavirus. It affects people, older people, people with respiratory issues and people like Roman Reigns, whose immune system can be up and down. So for him, I, I really respect the fact that he's not going to sacrifice his well-being just for like a payday or just this one-time event. He's got to look at the big picture in his life for years to come and his family and friends and everyone. So I really respect that he's not being selfish here and he's looking for the well-being for himself and everyone else around him. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's very well said. Uh, Roman has now gone on the record about it and uh, you know, he didn't really pull any punches, and, and, and I think good for him for standing up for himself in this. He had yeah. this to say. He said, it's funny because for years people are like, don't show up to WrestleMania. We don't want you in it. There's a nice handful of dudes and haters that didn't want me there. But the moment I make a choice for me, my family, I'm a coward, I'm a sissy, a lot of different things. But you don't know the whole story. All you know is what you think. Oh, his health, but you don't know what else is going on in my life. You don't know if I have newborns or if I have family in my household, older family, like the old saying goes, flip that cover open and read a few pages. Get mm-hmm. into a few chapters before you really start running your mouth. Take this time to better yourself, be present, and make the most out of this. If we can't mm-hmm. grow out of this, I don't think we have a chance. Uh, and he went, then went on to uh, say sorry to the fans that did want to see him compete, but that he'll be back and everything. And you know, Good for Roman for standing up for himself uh, to the people that are sort of hating on him for making this decision. I think I think every rational person certainly can understand it uh my my initial reaction when i saw the news was you know completely understandable yeah. uh not at all surprising uh but they once again just got me thinking the more this has gone along the big p word has been just sticking out is postpone it just ca- like and i know i know the die is cast at this point i know we're we're getting what we're gonna get at wrestlemania but with roman reigns and you know, rumor. You know, Dana Brooke, Lashley, Rey Mysterio, Miz, like all these other na- and other rumored names that are swirling about that might end up having to uh, drop out of WrestleMania this year. It it just it just all comes back to it's like wh- what are we doing? Like it, it feels like it should be postponed. I appreciate Vic, Vince McMahon's dedication to the show must go on mentality, and he wants to do it safely. You know, he's taking all the precautions and stuff, and it's going to be a very different weird vibe at WrestleMania, but um, I don't know. Just like you're, you're, you're losing your, your marquee matchup here. Uh, It just, it's odd. Well, the other thing too, you got to keep in mind is it's one thing for someone to have it, but you also got to be careful because you're also, if you do have it, you become a transmitter that you could pass along to other people. And so I think in, in this situation, you got to be very careful because you don't want to be liable for anything. And I think f- for Roman, I'm sure he's like, you know, I don't want to be around this and potentially, yeah, hurt himself, but also maybe pass along to someone else. That, that, that's the other thing too. It's like, sure. He's younger and younger people can't handle this better or at least fight it off more easily. But I think in the big picture, yeah, you're right. You don't know who else is in his household or who's his social circles or family households. He's got to be careful, and I think that it's frustrating because I see a lot of people say, oh, this is just like the flu. This is not a big deal. There's so much paranoia going on, this and that. It's like, no, this is a very serious issue. This is something that we've never experienced before in our lifetime. No, that We have no like reference 
of how to handle this, how to deal with this. You got to give kudos to all of our health workers out there, doctors and nurses who are busting their ass on the front line, trying to uh, take care of people, save people. And so this is a much bigger issue than any one particular sport or company. It, it, this is a global event right now. And so I think for the, we need more people to take a stand, to take this seriously and be vocal about that. And hopefully the people who are being haters or not taking it seriously can learn from this and, you know, and realize this is very serious. We need to like this shelter in place is a very important thing right now to get everything under control and then hopefully reduce the spread of it. So I, for Roman, if anything, I do respect him. He's always been very good as a role model, a spokesperson for all the different causes he believes in. So if this is in any way a, a representation of him continuing that and trying to let people know this is a serious matter and I'm going to take the proper precautions to stop this. More power to Roman. That brings us to the question of uh, who is going to replace Roman Reigns mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, there's some some fun names that swirled about, I think, uh, I think the most likely, uh, the biggest likelihood is that it would be Braun Strowman, you know, and I, I have I have mixed feelings about that because, uh, the, you know, longtime listeners of the show know that I am a champion for Braun Strowman and the fact yeah. that they should have pulled the trigger on his push a long, long time ago and made him a champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm of two minds on this, just on on the virtue of him being in the match. You put him in the match. And more than likely, they would make the decision to keep it on Goldberg, in, in my estimation. So mm-hmm. you would have Braun coming up short in yet another quote-unquote big spot, you know, even though it's it's technically still WrestleMania, but there's no fans and everything. But it's still Roman coming up, or excuse me, Braun coming up short. Uh, I'm not cool with that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't really like that at all. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I think the best-case scenario here is Goldberg holding on to Universal Championship and getting a nice little rain out of this and making the best out of this situation. Uh, when you add Braun Strowman to that mix, so more than likely he would just be fed to Goldberg, which does yeah. you know Braun Strowman no favors. It certainly would be his biggest position on a WrestleMania card, but it would be... Again, with this one, with this cloud hanging over it and be coming up short and losing effort. But let's flip that on its ear. What okay. if he wins? His first world title win is at the empty WrestleMania. He's replacing Roman Reigns. It's such like a uh, just you're just an afterthought, just a, a plans changed kind of guy. I don't I don't care for that either because it's not really them anointing Braun as the guy. Uh, so I I don't care for that either. Um, well. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, for Braun, if he does, if he is the actual replacement and he loses, because I, I think at the end of the day, Vince still wants Roman to be champion. I think his ultimate goal was to have it happen at WrestleMania, but obviously now with the current situation, it's going to happen at a later point. So this is just a filler or, or a little speed bump until that actually happens. So, yeah, I think the odds of Goldberg retaining are very high. But, yeah, as you said, just to throw Braun, it does no favors for him. And this would be what his potentially sixth or seventh championship loss between the WWE and Universal Championships, respectively. So for Braun, he's going to become what the uh, 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 what's her name? The soap opera is it Susan Lucci or uh, uh, you're on you your know. own on this one, pal. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, come on. Yes, you do. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, He's more the Buffalo Bills, I'd say, than, than a soap <laughs> opera star. But uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just that that 
he never can deliver uh, in a championship match, and that would just really affect his whole legacy as a superstar. At the, he's just what, as of now, of his time on the main roster, he's just been a big guy who can lift big trucks and like smash stuff. But when it comes to the important matches, he can't win anything. And I think after a while that appeal slowly dissolves and it doesn't become must see TV anymore when he's on. But yeah, if it, it goes all the way back to, you know, it's funny to call back to our interview with stone cold, Steve Austin. It goes all the way back to that. No mercy pay-per-view when, you know, Braun kicked out of all those power slams and, Mm -hmm. excuse me, Brock kicked out of all those power slams Mm -hmm. and Braun didn't kick out of a single F5 and just was beat clean in the middle. It's been sort of a precipitous decline uh, since that moment for him in the biggest of spots. And he's such a unique, great superstar. It's really a shame. I'll tell you who I do want to (laughs) see and what I think would be great. And it it would be one, I think, I think, uh, sort of art imitating life or, or life imitating art, that whole dog chasing its own tail is give me Matt Riddle and have <laughs> Goldberg squash his ass. That, that's what I want to see. That is the universal championship match that I want. I want Bill Goldberg versus Matt Riddle. I'm not your bro, bro. Uh, and I want to see him spear him, jackhammer him, one, two, three, less than a minute. Next. Why do you want to smash? I mean, uh, look, I like I like Matt Riddle, but uh, you know, I I I didn't really appreciate some of his clowning on Bill Goldberg. I, I think okay. I think it's smart if it, if it's if, if he I think him clowning on Brock, him clowning on Goldberg is smart because it's trying to work yourself into a program with the t- two guys that are big box office. Yeah, but I think it would be great theater for that to be rewarded and paid off. It's like, all right, yeah, we're going to put you in a match with Goldberg at WrestleMania for the Universal Championship, and you just get that ass beat like any other <laughs> Goldberg opponent. I think that'd be terrific. I'm not saying no, don't get any offense in, but I, but, but, but Goldberg leaving very strong still at the title. But then again, part of me is like, there you go. You sacrifice when you're up to upcoming top young What's stars. What's the sacrifice? He, he's, he's an NXT guy. He's never been in a WrestleMania before. He's in the title <laughs> match. Like, he's against Gil. Listen, Bill Goldberg has done that to some of the best names in the business. Hogan. Brock. You know, I mean, come on. Matt Riddle, you're in good company there, my friend. Bro. Next. Well, the, I, I, okay, I'm thinking it could be, hmm. I like well, I said to go back to Braun. If you sacrifice Braun, all this does is just help put Bill Goldberg over at his age. Well, like, see, the thing with Braun is that's different about Matt Riddle is that Braun has been languishing uh, between Raw and SmackDown for the last couple of years now. For Matt Riddle, this is like a huge opportunity. He's still, you know. He's still in the bubble wrap from the from his action figure box and everything like that. You know, this doesn't really <laughs> hurt him as good. much. It's a it's a great it's a great spot for him, and it's hilarious if he gets squashed. <laughs> um, and, and, <laughs> well, and and also and also the right booking call, by the way. Uh, but you know, that's that's what I'd like to see. But but I mean, I don't know what he has going on that weekend. It or technically, you know, hypothetically, if it is quote this weekend, even though it's been pre-taped. But uh, his tag team partner Pete Dunn is is stuck overseas, back home in in the UK. So he technically has nothing to do right now. So it would be fun to see Matt Riddle get, have something to do quote WrestleMania weekend. I, so I could kind of see that. The, and the reason why I, w- I would say for uh, listen, you know, a good it's a replacement opponent. So it would be a fun little just quick uh, Goldberg squash match to, to have him defend it. 
plays off of the real life, but you know, whether it's worked or a shoot animosity between the two, that's, that's what I'd like to see. Well, then kid, I've been to watch riddle afterwards. He's like, I wasn't ready. Or, you know, watch him go on some weird Twitter rant about this. Well, and they and, could and, have a rematch down the line. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, I just kind of worry. It just, you're, you're throwing it together just to fill the match. But will that really be the t- right match that we deserve as fans? Could it be done better, like with better buildup and better um, circumstances and in front of a big crowd? Like I think in front of a big crowd, people would love seeing that in person. But I get it. it this is such a weird situation that we're in right now in the world. So I don't know. It just – I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. It would be fun. Like I, I think like, an- I- another another good option – would be you have John Cena and Bray Wyatt's match before the number one contendership for the Universal Championship. Like on night one? Yeah, and you have the Fiend win, and then you could have the Fiend, you know, if they wanted to rebuild him, he could he could beat Goldberg. You know, because the, the, other, the other side of this coin, too, is, you know, as much as they may want to keep it on Bill now, maybe that's not in Bill's plans. We don't know. Uh, you know, for all, for all we know, his deal is just like, yeah, you know, you put it on me. I'll drop it to Roman or whatever, and I want to go work on my cars and what have you and stuff like that. We 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 don't know what his deal is, which which I like, which adds a little bit of intrigue and mystery to, you know, to how long he's going to be around. I I want Goldberg back full time, uh, but I don't think that's in the cards. Uh, so it, it could be one of those situations where, you know, they could they could immediately rebuild the fiend in in this two night empty WrestleMania. Yeah, like I, I'm just—you just brought up a good point. I wonder if Bill's like, sure, I'll do this quick run. I'll go to Saudi Arabia, win the title, make a few appearances on SmackDown, and then drop it to Roman. So for him, it's uh, overall what like a, a six-week uh, period that he's working for WWE against a short little run, successful run. But then he's like, crap, Roman pulled out. I got to be champion until like maybe maybe they want him a change of plan. They want to be champion until maybe SummerSlam. Maybe that that's when they're going to pull the trigger and let Roman win the title. Then so B- B- Bill's like, I didn't sign up for this long-term plan of being around for that long. But I mean, it, it, it would be interesting if he does walk out of the weekend with the title, how long would he stay with the company as champion? Will they drop it at the next pay-per-view or will he be around for that much longer? So it would just be interesting. So, for him, in his mind, he probably said, sure, I'll do this, a good little six-week run with the company again, but now it's going to turn maybe into a longer longer uh, a time with them. I don't I, know. It'll be interesting. I am interested to see how much the decisions in terms of who wins and who loses is going to be affected by the circumstances uh, in the world right now and of WrestleMania itself. Like, you know, going into this, I was 75% sure that Drew McIntyre was probably going to beat Brock Lesnar and become champion. Yeah. Since the decision to move to a fanless WrestleMania, I am way more 50-50 slash leaning towards that they're going to keep it on Brock and maybe have him drop it at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because changing it to the deafening silence of an empty performance center is, is not the same thing. And if you still want, if, if you think that Drew is the guy, if if you really want to anoint him, then run some type of BS DQ finish, you know, or the, or, or or a no contest, double count out, whatever you got to do to keep both guys looking good. Mm-hmm. But if you know, if you don't think Drew's the guy, uh, because that's the thing, like with any Brock match, fans or no fans, 
he is such an attraction, and they've done such a good job of building him. You got to be damn sure that you want this guy to be your standard bearer if you're going to have him beat Brock Lesnar. And and that's why when you look back at Seth Rollins beating Brock not once but twice, and you know now he's back to being a heel again, and he's doing great at that. But he was a failure to launch as the babyface of your company, um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons, many of which not Seth Rollins' fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know it it feels like that they backed off Seth as the guy, and so why did you beat Brock Lesnar to begin with? See that. That that's my thing is like you have to be sure if if you want to put anybody over Brock Lesnar because he needs to be kept special. So I I am interested well, to see where these decisions go. Well, with Seth though, I'm you didn't, they didn't know how things were going to turn out. I'm sure in the moment they're like, yeah, he's going to be our guy, but they didn't know the next few months would turn out the way it did. I mean, between his Twitter stuff controversy, the, the Twitter stuff doesn't have anything to do with it, though. In my, in my but opinion. but I mean, but he he would get some booze, and and it led to people, maybe the fans, kind of turning on him based on his reaction and the whole Will Osprey stuff. But then also the booking with him and his girlfriend, or now fiance Becky Lynch and the Lacey Evans Baron Corbin. So there's I think there's like there's a lot of factors. Yeah, that's what I said. It wasn't entirely his fault, but they still. They still pulled up stakes. They didn't. They didn't weather the storm with him as the guy, mm-hmm. and and it's it's like any any time you make sort of a shift, there there's gonna be there's gonna be some turbulence at the start of it until you until you set new course, and and you hit that smooth sailing. And you know I I don't feel like that they really gave Seth the benefit of doing that. I think they they hit some trouble and they and they they called an audible and they called for a reset. And yeah. it, it, so I don't want to just see them have have Drew beat Brock, and then you know be like, oh, I don't know, maybe a Scottish World Champion is the face of our company. Maybe that doesn't work, and then they go right back to it again. That doesn't do anybody any good, and it just yeah. it just cheapens Brock. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just hope though, if in this situation, let's say they let Brock win, they can do so in kind of like a, a Rocky One fashion, where like Drew kind of still wins us the fans over. He put up a hell of a fight. And he could declare a rematch, like and build up, uh, rebuild him for a big payoff at SummerSlam. So, if anything with Drew, I, I, I think a loss to Brock is not a complete waste. I think there's ways to still have him as your next face of the company and, and use him properly during the summer for a big payoff at SummerSlam. And I'm, I'm telling you, this this year's SummerSlam is is going to be should be an amazing show. I think there's going to be so much built up from the fans that we didn't get the true payoff of a WrestleMania this year that I think they could do some really special things at SummerSlam. So whatever they might have lined up or wanted to do this year, WrestleMania, just save it and put it out there SummerSlam weekend and then make this year SummerSlam really special. The the other thing I want to mention with Bill Goldberg, which I, which I forgot, I'm remiss, that goes along with the squashing of a Matt Riddle or a similar uh, babyface superstar if you can get Bill to commit to it, <laughs> and this is a big if. And again, I love Bill Goldberg's superhero, but what about Bill Goldberg supervillain? What if Bill Goldberg goes out to the ring and declares that he wins by forfeit, and that Roman Reigns is a coward and didn't want to face him <laughs> and turns heel, and you know, and he can squash whoever, and then he holds on to this Universal Championship? refusing to grant Roman Reigns a rematch until be it SummerSlam or next year's WrestleMania. 
Uh, I would love that. That would be incredible. And I think it would get Roman over as a babyface, too. You, Goldberg, just calling out Roman for being too too cowardly to face him at WrestleMania. Like, the amount of heat that that would get and the sympathy that I think Roman would garner from that. Because, again, as we established, real life, real life talk. Roman yeah. Reigns is taking care of himself for his immunocompromised situation, his family, his elderly members of his family. He's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But you could have Bill Goldberg calling him out as a coward left and right, refuses to grant him a rematch. You could turn Bill Goldberg into, like, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, essentially. It would be amazing. Didn't Goldberg turn heel in WCW with Vince Russo? Yeah, but at that point, WCW was so far off the reservation, (laughs) they didn't know what to do, and, like, it it all went awry. This would be another chance to show what he could do, because this would be be a legit heel turn. (laughs) <laughs> and and he would be a true supervillain. I, I think that that would be something that I, I don't take turning Bill heel lightly because he's such a natural, just badass, ass kicking baby face. Yeah, that's something that would interest me. Well, I'm <laughs> just thinking he did get some booze a few weeks ago. One of the last he's Smackdown he's going to get booze from the idiots out there that that, you know, don't appreciate him. That's that's never going to change. It's the same moron contingent that still thinks it's cool to boo John Cena. <laughs> Like I love the, the same the same morons that probably do the wave or bring a beach ball to sporting events. They're idiots. <laughs> so, you know, screw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm trying. Is there anyone else on the, the SmackDown roster that you think will deserve to take out uh, Bill Goldberg? I'm just trying to take a quick glance. I mean, like based on everyone else that could be a good candidate is already busy for the night. Give so me riddle, bro. or stick. Huh? So just give me Riddle. That's the one that makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and it will yeah. pair perfectly with super villain Bill Goldberg. <laughs> or Brock comes out and they do like a unification. Well, match. Th- that is something I've seen bandied about as well, and certainly I would be. I'm always down for that, but I don't think they have the the stones to uh, unify the, or I don't think they want to unify the championships. Let me rephrase. But I want to talk about uh, Dark Side of the Ring, which we discussed a few episodes ago about. <laughs> Uh, it's season two lineup, and they released uh, parts one and two of the Chris Benoit story that they did. Um, it, it, again, for all my protestations about the why behind Dark Side of the Ring, the very title of the show irks me because it's not like wrestling is presented in a good light very often by the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. They do, like I said before, they're very well researched. They do a good job. Uh, this was no exception. They They did an excellent job getting... Pretty much all the pertinent parties involved here, with the exception of Kevin Sullivan, who they tried to get on and he declined. Uh, I thought they did a very good job. What did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was very powerful, very emotional, and it, it, it I'm, I was very, very much like sad by the end of it. Like, just definitely like, wow. It, uh, it, it was like you said, very emotional roller coaster. And I'm I'm really glad that they did two parts to this because it sounds like there was, as we saw, a lot of ground to cover to kind of explain Chris Benoit's time in wrestling and his personal life. Uh, I mean, there it wasn't perfect. I mean, there's some little things I can nitpick, and you know, we can kind of talk into that as we go. But just overall, I really enjoy just hearing from other people their their side of the story or their perspective. Or observations from that time period, and for me, I like I know just like the very much the surface level of what happened. We we lived through that, you and I, and all the other wrestling fans who are old enough to remember it. We lived through it, but I don't know all the details or knew of all details from that time. 
So it was just really interesting to hear from the people what went on, what was going on. And there were some things I think they glossed over as well, but just overall to kind of describe just that whole situation. I, I, I really did enjoy uh, what they did here and the, the directors and the producers of this show. I really enjoy just the, the presentation of it. And I think for anyone watching, I just hope at the end of the day, people that watch this could take away hopefully history doesn't repeat itself and people that watch this can learn something from this and realize you got to take better care of your bodies out there. If you're a wrestler, uh, don't do steroids. You know, if you have an issue, talk to someone. I mean, there's a lot to uncover here. I just hope people watch this can learn from this and not, uh, well, well, have a tragedy. I, I hope people take from it is that this was not a situation that happened because of wrestling. And, and, yes, and, and yeah. like that, that's, that's a big thing. Like, like, it's ridiculous to try and blame the business on this. And I guess this is what makes me so angry at Chris Benoit uh, mm-hmm. and at the whole tragedy. You know, I, I reflect on a car ride that you and I took with you and your brother. And we were talking about uh, his son's interview with, uh, that he had done and wanting to like, sort of like carry on his dad's legacy. And, and I was, and I was hot about it because it was like, yeah. no, like your dad's legacy your yeah. your your dad and I. This is what made me so gl- glad of that. What they included Jericho's quote about is like, dude, he almost he almost killed wrestling. Exactly. And the human tragedy is unspeakable. What he did was monstrous. Uh, and and in a weird way, I wish they had spent more time on that because I I think diehard wrestling fans, a lot of them have this sort of romanticized view about Benoit because he was so damn good. Mm-hmm. But what he did at the end of his life, madman or not, was monstrous. And I, and I feel yeah. like they're almost desensitized to that because of the other side, because they don't want to believe that he was capable of doing those awful things. Um, yeah. So I was well, glad that they included Jericho saying, you know, that he almost killed wrestling and that his legacy, if you were to tell him that his legacy would be erased, uh, you know, that that would break his heart. It was almost, um, almost a well, poetic punishment uh, in, in that sense, not that, not that you know, any punishment is just for murdering your child's son and your wife over a couple day period, and then yourself. But it was sort of there was sort of uh, something there that I that I am glad that they included that. I wish honestly they had spent a little bit more time on the tragedy itself. I thought that yeah. for all the time they took, they rushed through that, mm-hmm. and that that to me I thought did a disservice. Again, hammer it home. Like, we're doing this story, like, let people know. Like, they, they said it almost, like, casually that, like, you know, he had broken Nancy's back while he was, you know, and then, and then strangled her. Like, that is horrific. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to add, it, it was, yeah, what Jericho said, that it, it would, if Benoit knew that what he did almost killed the wrestling business and that his peers, that was the biggest thing, that if he was to realize or know that, what he did will lose the respect of his peers. That would hurt him as well. So that was another big takeaway. What Jericho said at the very end, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, you're right. But the, like the, the story that they were trying to tell here, they made it sound like after Eddie died, Chris, uh, Benoit went down this, the, the spiral of depression and ultimately that's what kind of led to him, uh, killing his wife and kids, or his kid. And I, I was a little confused because I, I would think that there was more to that because they kind of said like 
Chris and her were having some domestic issues, but they didn't really go into detail about that too much. And so I feel like there was more to that. It wasn't just Eddie's death that caused it all. Well, of course. Uh, yeah. But you get what I'm saying? But it's like they said, oh, yeah, after, after Eddie died, that's when Chris changed and became this whole new person or different person and started spiraling down in the next two year period after his, between when Eddie died and when Chris died. Yeah. I so, mean, people people have talked about that for a long time. And I, and I think that's 100 percent accurate that that Eddie Guerrero was a, a rock of steadiness for uh, Chris Benoit. Uh, but, you know, like you said, it's not just that. There is more to the story there. And the domestic issues, you know, a lot of times in the wake of, of of this whole thing, Chris Benoit was painted as this ultimate family man, this loving husband and father. And and I still believe those things to be true. Uh, it's adult conversations, but even even somebody, you know, that's a can slip up sometimes, especially yeah. somebody that's dealing with, you know, the, the whole roid rage thing was a misnomer and misreported by, by the mainstream media. But continued abuse of steroids and continued abuse of your body, it does it does wreak havoc on you mentally to where you could be capable of, of doing things that you would then later regret. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, you know, no one would think to the magnitude of what he did. Uh, and, you know, the whole CTE conversation I wish would have been longer. Uh, again, I, I almost wish we... I, I, I just wish that they had spent more time... Uh, towards the end of the story, they yeah. do manage to give you a somewhat happy ending with the reunion of uh, of Nancy's sister and was it David Benoit? Yeah, David Benoit. Um, so that and that's nice, and it was a cool moment because Chavo is a producer for Dark Side of the Ring. You know, him helping David through it when he gets emotional. One thing I didn't know mm-hmm. uh, that Eddie was still sort of with it when Chavo found him in the hotel room and he died in his arms. I didn't know that. That, to me, uh, as a Eddie Guerrero super fan, broke me in two. Um, yeah, the, that, that was, was very... That was one of the most powerful, saddest parts of the whole thing to me. Absolutely. That was very sad. And just now, next time, if we ever get to see Chavo again, because he did wrestle here last year, I would definitely like to tell him thank you for just you know opening up and telling that side of the story. And I thought that was very powerful. And... Just I, I want to you know give my condolences all these years later about that, but uh, just the first episode I enjoyed that it very much was the story of Eddie Guerrero as well and like his relationship with Chris Benoit. I really just enjoyed seeing that side of things, and then the second half was more just the destruction of Chris Benoit that led to these events. But yeah, like I said, I want to know more about like the domestic issues and just kind of what was going on. Like so they really touch on because even uh, William Regal at the funeral. He just focused on, on, yeah, the tribute. He just focused on him as a wrestler, but apparently he lived in the same area, so he knew stuff was going on at home. But they didn't really dig into that too much. So I just want what I'm getting at is I kind of wanted to learn what was more going on on the home front that maybe kind of led to this Uh, this this incident. Another MVP of the episode was Jim Ross. Um, His perspective on both like. You know, his almost defiance, like, look, we did a tribute show. We didn't know the whole story, but we didn't know that we didn't know the whole story. You know, because a lot of people were very critical of WWE and pro wrestling at the time for, you know, I guess one of the things that's burned forever into my memory, I was watching that show. Mm -hmm. They got the timeline a little wrong, if memory serves, because as I was watching that Raw tribute show, it was during the show that more details started to come out on the internet. Yeah. uh, And I remember watching it with my dad, 
and him getting kind of pissed and saying, I'm not going to watch this show that's honoring a murderer like this. Like, this is crazy. And it's like, well, we didn't know. Like, Mm -hmm. and uh, that, that was something that was pretty wild reflecting back on it. And just, so I was glad to have Jim Ross's input there about the tribute show about hell. No, he shouldn't be in the hall of fame. I think it is one of the most ridiculous arguments from the pro wrestling community that somehow it's like, Oh, should Chris Benoit be in the hall of fame? No. Like it's like, it's like that's what I mean about the desensitization about what he actually did mm-hmm. in right mind or not. You can't, you can't do it. Well, so that, well I was just to say Jim Ross brought up good points. And even if we did induct him, they, the only thing people will focus on is just the last 24 hours of his life. Yes. And that's, that that's, it's true. No matter what he did, he could have won the belt 20 times, a million times. But unfortunately, all he's ever going to be remembered is the last 24 hours. Actually, the last couple of days of his life. It, that was a little detail I didn't know that they were both, his wife and kid were both dead in the house for a while. And he was still doing stuff in the house. Just how psychotic that whole thing was. That was very sickening to hear. But I, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, he can't go in the Hall of Fame because he that's all people are going to focus on is what he did at the end of his life. And that's unfortunate, but Hey, that's what it is with it. That that's what it is. And then, um, I was just also going to say, yeah, with Jim Ross, I, I, I totally agree with him. It's like, it's a damn, if you do damn, if you don't situation because he didn't show up Saturday at that house show, he didn't show up to the pay-per-view and that's when they you know did the wellness call and found out he was dead. So, and they didn't all the info. Yeah. The police are going to keep all that. They're not going to just tell, some company. Oh yeah. It's actually a murder suicide. They just, all that the WWE knew at the time was he was dead. And so of course they're just going to do what, what they think is the best to handle this. We got to do a tribute show to honor him. They didn't know all the details yet. So like I said, it's damn if you do damn if you don't situation. So I'm glad Jr. spoke up about that. And then I'm glad they showed the video of Vince McMahon. What was it? The following week on, uh, on raw when he says, we'll never talk about him again. It's the last time you're going to hear his name from my mouth on WWE television. So, and rightfully just, it, so. And yeah. like, and if you walk away from anything, like it, it, the interesting thing for me was that, uh, the tale between two episodes and how these people that knew him very well, uh, and you know, were friends with him, um, and, and knew him intimately well and loved him have had to compartmentalize him into different parts of his life. Um, mm-hmm. You hear Vicky Guerrero talking lovingly about, you know, him and Nancy's wedding day, and uh, that's what she likes to remember, and she's very glowing. But by the end, she's like, how could he do this? And she's angry and sad. And right, it was it was very interesting sort of uh, study of how they've had to deal with that and look at him and almost, as almost um, two separate people living within one person. Um, yeah, yeah. And how they've had to come to terms with that, which I cannot imagine – uh, how difficult that is. Uh, but that is, unfortunately, I think sort of the way uh, that it has to be. And I certainly take nothing away from all the entertainment that he uh, brought me over the years and everything like that. But, um, you know, b- beyond that, he doesn't he doesn't get any honorifics. There's no there's no plaque waiting for him because of what he did. And and that's nobody's fault but his. What about um, his wife? And. Yeah, I thought that was nice sentiment, uh, for especially from Chris Jericho about wanting to induct Nancy. Um, I don't know if it'll happen, uh, but I, I'm certainly certainly all for it after Miss Elizabeth. 
Yeah. Um, that's you know that's 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 for for sure. Um, all right, before we go, uh, and we'll hopefully get back at you again this week and talk about some other things that we got going on. I want to give you some quarantine viewing for the week. <laughs> you know, okay. some some stuff to keep you tied it over after you get done listening to this uh, this episode of In the Click and. Uh, with us rapidly approaching WrestleMania, I've jotted down five of my favorite WrestleManias, uh, okay. and that is starting with WrestleMania Five, uh, where the Mega Powers explode. Um, <laughs> one of my all-time favorite WrestleManias to watch. I watched it over and over and over again as a kid, just hoping every time that somehow the outcome would be different and Macho Man Randy Savage would beat Hulk Hogan in the main event. Uh, never happened, but, you know, I, I dared to dream uh, every time. Just a, just one of the all-time great WrestleMania main events, in my opinion. One of the great all-time stories that they ever pulled off in pro wrestling, which is the Mega Powers exploding. Uh, along with that, you had Jake Roberts and Andre the Giant, you had uh, you had Rick Rick Rude beating the Ultimate Warrior for the IC Championship, uh, just some some pretty cool stuff there. You had Mister Perfect beating the Blue Blazer at WrestleMania, so some pretty cool things to check out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely one of them. Uh, WrestleMania 12 is another one on my list. Uh, of course, famous uh, for the Boyhood Dream coming true, the Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Do yourself a favor if you haven't watched it in a while or ever. Uh, watch that match. It is a study in storytelling. It's not the high spot fest that you might see, you know, elsewhere today. It's a different kind of epic match, and it delivers, and they tell a great story. And so do yourself a favor. Go back and enjoy that. It's not one that you can sort of like Schindler's List or The Passion. It's so long, and it's not like a match that you can just put on every day and just, oh, I'm going to watch the Iron Man match. But now that we're, you know, shelter in place, you have time. Do yourself a favor and watch that. It also has, you know, the Hollywood backlot brawl uh, with Goldust and Roddy Piper and Undertaker versus Diesel. To that point, probably the Undertaker's best WrestleMania match. Uh, and then also uh, from there, WrestleMania X7, Stone Cold and The Rock Part 2. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people say maybe top to bottom the best WrestleMania ever. Uh, and then the other one that has the argument for that, WrestleMania 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Austin Rock 3, you have Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho, Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle. Uh, a lot of a lot of really good stuff uh, on there as well. And then WrestleMania 21, um, one of the best matches you will ever see. It's not the main event, but Kurt Angle versus HBK uh, from WrestleMania 21 is an all-time classic, no doubt about it. Also, you had Triple H losing to Batista in the main event at WrestleMania 21. You had John Cena beating JBL for the WWE Championship. So similar to the Ruthless Aggression docuseries we just watched, a lot of sort of changing of the guard there. You had Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, just lots of good stuff. Undertaker and Randy Orton, one of the great builds that really put over the Legend Killer gimmick and everything like that. I thought Randy Orton should have been the one to end the streak. Uh, that was That was a really, really cool feud. Uh, what do you got for people to watch? I mean, for for me, Jimbo, there's nothing like the first WrestleMania. I mean, that set the tone for where we're at now, right now. So to me, it's always very special. Just just from a retro standpoint, Hulk Hogan, Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff, Muhammad Ali there as a special guest referee. It just and by today's standard, it's very low key, but just 
just what that first WrestleMania meant and what it symbolizes and how it really just jumpstarted the WWE to be the top promotion that it is now. And another one, obviously, WrestleMania three, obviously Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. And it's that was such an important WrestleMania because I think it was one of the biggest anticipated matches to build for that. And like I said, it wasn't like some great, amazing wrestling performance per se, but just symbolically what that represented for the business at the time. And then one, and I'm glad you said WrestleMania five that when I had as well, uh, another one for me as a kid, I personally was a fan of, I know by today's standards, not the greatest wrestling match as well, but WrestleMania six Hulk Hogan, is WWF champion versus Ultimate Warrior, who's Intercontinental champion. Champion versus champion. Just that the poster for that WrestleMania, the two of them. The ultimate just, challenge. That was a that was a great match. That was a you great, know what, but, yeah, it was it fun. Just like, it was like as a kid seeing that poster, it's like two like real life superheroes over the top, just these big dudes. And you know, my brother was a Hulk Hogan fan. I was an Ultimate Warrior fan. So it was like our two favorites going at it. It was an amazing just as for kids that i mean that's something you can always argue in favor of wwe they know how to cater to the the kids out there so just seeing that i love that so uh i mean there's so many we can go yeah i'm with you 17 and 19 as well and 14 when austin won there's so many great wrestlemania moments absolutely well enjoy our quarantine recommendations with the wrestlemania flavor uh, we will try and get back to you again later on this week uh, to to talk to you and to, and carry you through your quarantine, your shelter in place. But that is going to do it for this edition of In the Click. For Baby Huey, I'm Bimbo Jimbo. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs>